our two-and-a-half-year-old plays with toy cups in the bathtub. The cups have tiny holes that drop cascades of water back into the tub below. Our child places one cup on the rim of the tub and fills it with water from another. The water drains and spills onto the bathroom floor. What are you doing? I cry, stop! I grab a towel from the cabinet and thrust it into the puddle. Our child turns away, shoulders slumped, suddenly small, stares down into the bathtub. How do I honor the inherent worth and dignity of this child, as well as my own, in this moment? How do I practice justice, equity, and compassion in human relations with this child in this moment? What does it mean to accept one another and encourage spiritual growth with this child in this moment? How do I sustain a free and responsible search for truth and meaning with this child in this moment. Our seven UU principles guide our institutional life together at church, and they must orient our intimate lives as well. Our principles call us to act with curiosity, ask good questions, be playful, repair harms, forgive each other and ourselves, admit the limits of our imaginations, and learn from each other. What's needed is not our will to control, but our discernment. Our child stares downcast into the water. I'm sorry, I say, recoiling from my own reaction. I overreacted. The water leaks out. I know you didn't mean to spill it. Our child says only, I'm sorry. In our child's pulling away from me, I hear clearly the message implied by my hair trigger reaction. Unintended, but unambiguous. Heavy now in my heart. Why are you screwing up, kid? I became a stay-at-home dad about a decade ago. When my wife and I welcomed our first child, I found new joy in the scent of our baby's scalp, moments snuggling and singing lullabies, the unfolding of motor skills and language. My voice rang with laughter, counseled patience, extolled congratulations, lulled to sleep, and wondered anew at the world's mystery through my child's eyes. But eventually, with our second child on the way, and our first asserting newfound independence, an angry voice showed up too. It took me by surprise, the sharp and strident tone, tight shoulders, furrowed brow, painfully tense scalp, chest puffed artificially forward, noisy footfalls, 
And always, beneath each angry reaction, lay fear and self-judgment. Incompetent. Failed. And worst of all, angry dad. I'd wanted to be the kind of dad who was free from the demands of patriarchal manhood, from the need to control, the fear of not maintaining control. And yet, here I was, my wife and I talking about how I was yelling too much. I had to face it. The patriarchal manhood I rejected intellectually was a part of my cultural conditioning. It lived in my body and sprang forth when I felt most vulnerable, least competent. And as a new dad and the primary caregiver in our family, I felt vulnerable frequently. I needed practices for better aligning my habits with my values. My wife suggested I check out a men's group here at church. Now, men's groups have been running at UUCPA since the early 1980s, and they were inspired by women. Since the passage of the UUA's Women in Religion Resolution in 1977, incidentally, the same year I was born, women at UUCPA and across the continent have found closeness and connection in action groups, local gatherings, and regional retreats. Their example inspired our church's first men's groups to help men forge deep connections with one another that too often we lack in the rest of our lives. So, I looked into it. And at the time, there were two, got, two kinds of men's groups at UUCPA. Working stiffs for the younger guys, and semi-retired, retired, thinking about it for the older guys. Now, as it turns out, the working stiffs versus retired distinction, with its tacit patriarchal definition of manhood in relationship to paid work, was intended simply as a way of sorting out daytime versus evening time meetings. It was meant to help men find each other and walk through the door. But I saw only the patriarchal shape of the doorframe. As a stay-at-home dad, I was working hard, certainly, and my habits were, pro were proving plenty stiff, even brittle at times, but I knew what working stiffs meant. And it didn't mean setting aside paid work in favor of caring for children. More than that, I was afraid. I want to say this clearly because it's the kind of thing that doesn't usually get said. Guys, I was afraid of you. I did not trust that the manhood I had chosen and was learning awkwardly to embody would be recognized in your company, nor that I might help create such belonging by stepping forward and saying this too. That's the insidiousness of patriarchy. Even as we try to hold space for connection and belonging, the shadow of patriarchal masculinity, if we're not careful, shapes the categories through which men know each other. And even when we know we need help, we turn away in fear, unsure whether our fullest selves will be honored. And that's to say nothing of the punishment that patriarchy inflicts on people of other genders. Thankfully for me, though, I had recently become a worship associate here at UUCPA. Reverend Amy and I would meet to discuss a week's sermon topic and the reflection I might write in response. And invariably, 
questions about what kind of dad I wanted and needed to become were never far from mind. Writing these reflections was a powerful learning process for me. I dug into my fears as a dad and their consequences, and I asked, what's going on here? Who do I hope to become? Doing this helped me clarify my values and imagine how to live them more fully, grounded in our UU principles. And sharing these stories with you meant I was accountable to my community, that I was not alone. Since then, this spiritual practice of reflective writing, in concert with the practice of meditation, has become a foundation for my identity, shaping my conscience and making me a more responsive man and dad. For example, as I've inquired into my reactions during difficult parenting moments, I've learned where anger tends to emerge in my body, how to name the fears that underlie those sensations, to feel them, to acknowledge them, but not be yanked around by them. How to turn again toward my values and the people I love through a deep breath and a softer voice. And by publishing some of what I learn, I hope I can help others too. I have UUCPA to thank for helping me cultivate this calling. Now, I could tell you about many other ways that Unitarian Universalism and UUCPA have deepened my capacity to be a responsive dad. For example, I could tell you about teaching our whole lives classes for our youth, or about working to help UUCPA become an ever more welcoming congregation. But in the time that remains, I want to talk about the By Your Side Singers, the pastoral care singing group that the Reverend Melissa Thompson and I co-founded here at UUCPA. The By Your Side Singers visit and sing to people in our congregation who might be going through a hard time or a difficult transition, or might simply welcome a dose of joyful musical connection and accompaniment. We've sung in living rooms, assisted living and rehabilitation facilities, hospital rooms, front yards, and even at the deathbed. We accompany others in their moments of vulnerability. We do not fix anything, and we cannot control circumstance, but we can respond. Depending on the needs of the person we're visiting, the same hymn might be hushed and calm or energetic and playful. Our practice calls us to discern what is going on here and respond accordingly with continuous adjustment along the way. We practice this during our rehearsals by singing to each other as we navigate our own patterns and journeys of joy and need. Singing with the By Your Side singers and tending to the collective spiritual growth of the group have strengthened my capacity to discern and turn toward another person's needs tenderly with a voice that sings. I'm only recently coming to understand the power of this spiritual practice for my life as a dad, but I see it, in that, for example, in that story about the butterflies I told earlier. Parenting often involves discomfort. A child tries out a new skill and gets frustrated. Someone gets upset, sometimes me. Kids argue. I struggle to balance multiple responsibilities. We run late getting somewhere, sometimes the Sunday service. 
situations like these will never be made more connected or more just by, treated, by treating my loved ones as obstacles to my own equanimity, as problems subject to my control. By Your Side Singers has taught me the joy, the joy of letting that patriarchal impulse go and instead opening myself to the resonant emotional truth of the person before me and following that truth toward a harmonious response. Imagine a child struggling to master something and judging themselves a failure. This child, who did not exist three, five, seven, nine years ago, is right now, in this vulnerable moment, turning to you as the steady bit of ground on which they might find safety and the capacity to breathe and consider anew. You may not know what to do, and you surely will not be perfect, and that's okay. The goal is not control. Feel your way into this moment with curiosity and acceptance. Awake to what you might learn, putting connection first. This is the free and responsible search. Here lay worth and dignity, justice, equity, and compassion, acceptance, and spiritual growth. Here, with this child, you are essential and needed in this world right now. The day after that spill by the bathtub, as we finished our lunch together, our two-and-a-half-year-old began pouring water between our two drinking cups. <laughs> now, on any other day, I might have put a stop to it. I might have reached instinctively for my cup, anticipating a spill, and said, that's my water, don't do that. But I didn't. My mistake and my apology the night before had prepared me. I recognized this. I let my body soften. I settled back, not forward, back, and watched, curious to see what would happen next. What is going on here? What do I need to learn? I watched as our child took a sip, poured the contents of one cup into the other, and back again, and exclaimed joyfully, I did it all by myself. And so it went for half an hour. <laughs> this, this, the growing feel for water's flow and fall, for the balance and tip of the cup, the striving toward greater know-how and freedom, freedom. This was precisely what our kid had wanted to practice the night before. If only I had bothered to inquire, to be curious about the human need that underlay that small spill. Now, with space to express itself, that need had become a source of deeper connection between us. I know this rose will open. 
I know my fear will burn away. I know my soul will unfurl its wings. I know this road will no pass.